Welcome back to another episode of the Kitmen Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Dillette, Hello. Owen, How's it going? and Josh will be joining us later on in this episode. My name's Rohan, I'm the host. Uh, make sure to follow the Kitmen on TikTok at the Kitmen Podcast and Instagram at underscore the Kitmen. So in this episode, we're going to be recapping the January transfers and talking about the past week's games and the big city Liverpool clash later on this week. Um, Dillette, I want to bring you in first on this Odegaard transfer, uh, from Real Madrid to Arsenal on loan for the season. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that's a solid signing. I would, I, I would have preferred that we made more, but I mean, it's January and I guess no one really does anything in January, but for Odegaard, that's like a, that's a great signing, man. Cause we've been relying on like a, like a 19 year old attacking midfielder for the past two months and it's just and he's very injury prone Emil Smith Rowe so to have somebody else that they can create if he's absent or even in just like the Europa League games because I feel like now that we're out of the FA Cup as well that Europa League will be a, a huge priority and I think Odegaard would help a lot squad depth yeah that that makes a lot of sense I mean we still have to remember while Emil Smith Rowe is playing very very well he's still 19 right yeah, so yes. like, I don't know if that's his exact age, but yeah. Yeah, so like, he's young, so you're not going to be able to rely on him to consistently be amazing, and he's still learning, so getting a getting a player like Odegaard, who's been uh, basically... It's weird because it's he's, he's young, but he's experienced. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, he's been around for like 10 years, hasn't he? I don't know about 10, but it's been a long time. He's been a pro since he was, like, 17, bro. Something yeah. Crazy like that. Yeah. But not even outside of Emil Smith or, like, relying on him, even if he does perform every week that he plays, like, our second team just still is complete buns for <laughs> chance creation. Like, we we rely on Willian in the in the second lineup to create for us. Yeah. It's just nice to know that we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean... We know how important ro- rotating players in and out of the squad is, and Odegaard definitely does add to that depth. Um, looking at West Ham, they signed actually, I, I think they had the best transfer window, per- person personal personally. They got Jesse Lingard on loan and something from uh, Brentford, and I just think they are two very very good players. Owen, what are your thoughts on that tr- on that transfer window from West Ham? I agree. I think they did. I think they did a good job getting those two big players. Um, I just think it'll help them out. I, I don't have much to say about it, except other than that's good decisions by them. Are those permanent deals? I believe Lingard uh, is loan. Uh, yeah, Lingard is loan. I think that's still that's still good. And Rama on a permanent deal is solid too. Very. I remember a lot of big a lot of big teams were after him. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's in the championship last season. Yeah. No, they they were and. I mean, West Ham are off to a very, very good start. Um, a lot of people had them, including myself, ha- had them going down this season, and they've, you know, been on the opposite end of that, n- in and around the top ten uh, teams. So, I mean, very, very good from West Ham. And these underdog stories usually end up getting killed off by like just lack of squad depth, so right? Just any additions to the to the team that's going to help them stay in the top half. Yeah, and you know, hopefully. 
maybe qualify for some European play. Bro, I see Mark Noble playing European football, bro. <laughs> That's how I know the sport's done. Hey, man, it might not be him. It might be Thomas Suchek. Thomas Suchek has eight goals from open play oh, yeah. from the CDM he spot. To, yeah, he deserves to be in there. Absolutely. I, I still don't understand what kind of player he is, man. You know, he, he always makes like this third man run from the midfield. It, it's. I thought, he, I thought he played right back. Wasn't he a right back? No, like no, no. to be a right back? Was he? I, I'm pretty sure they signed him for the CDM spot. But I, I mean, guess that makes more sense than why he's excelling. Yeah, but, but still. the way that he plays, it reminds me of a fullback. Just bombing forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way that he bombs forward like that. Yeah, he absolutely sends it on offense. And I mean, it, they, they have a pretty solid defense, so I mean, fair play to him. Um, so Liverpool picked up two center backs, Ben Davies and Ozan Kabak. Um, do you think that helps their title odds bringing in two center backs? I think they've missed out on Mustafi big time here. <laughs> I still can't believe that they're actually interested. But I, I don't think that those center backs are... I guess they're center backs, which will help them regardless. But I don't think that they're good enough to keep them in the title race, you know? Actually, yeah. I won't say that because Liverpool are kind of still in the title race. But... I don't think that'll elevate their game much more. It'll more just provide depth and allow Fabinho to get rest in while he's switching between midfield and defense. Yeah, and I mean, I I do want to note Henderson and Fabinho have been excellent at center back, uh, replacing Matip, Gomez, and Van Dijk. So uh, I think this definitely relieves some of the stress from from those two center center defensive mids playing in that center back role. But do you guys feel they should have signed these players earlier in the window rather than basically on the deadline? I mean, it would have helped them out like a, a little bit, but not. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it, it's going to matter too much. I think it'll help them out, but they seem to have been doing. They haven't been doing too bad without them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, defensively, they've been. All right, I guess, but I guess their main concern is is the offense and not being able to score goals against teams like Brighton. Yeah, that's true. So it's, I don't know. I don't know what they need, I mean, man. Kind of yeah, it is hard to point to 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 point a finger at what exactly is going wrong for Liverpool, because you know they they broke down Tottenham, they broke down West Ham, and I thought they were going to come roaring back, and then, you know, they get shut out against Brighton and scored on against Brighton. Yeah, man, it doesn't make sense. They just, they seem to switch off between being, like, defensive, like, beasts, and then some games they just switch that off completely. I don't know. I just don't understand how they can have, like, two golden boot winners and then struggle to score against such low-level teams. (laughs) Right. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, Ahmad Diallo signed for United um, earlier. And does that kind of cure that Jaden Sancho desire, I, I suppose you could put it? Uh, can, can we end the Jaden Sancho to United talks? Does he even play on the right? I, I, 
I, I think that's the only place he would be able to play, right? I mean, you have Rashford on the left, Martial through the middle, and Fernandez in the middle with Pogba, so... I guess he kind of just slots into that right side, right? Well, I don't think I don't think he's like a like a now signing, is he? What do you mean? He seemed more like one for the future. He's only been playing with, I guess he's been registered in the Europa League squad, but he's only been playing in U twenty three games so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I feel like they were trying to get this like future replacement instead of trying to you know splash big for Sancho, who'd probably be worth upwards of what. Hundred million for that transfer. Yeah. So I mean, Diallo's a pretty good signing, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's. A good, it's. It seems like it's been a minute since he and I have built for the future. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, talking about United, how about them against Southampton? What a game that was! Nine zero. Owen, what were your thoughts from that game? I don't know, it's just weird, because, like, Southampton's not a bad team at all. Like, they're not great, but they're not bad. And, like, sure, they got two red cards, so kind of understand it a little bit, but, like, 9-0 is insane. And, like, Manchester United had, what was it, seven different goal scorers? Yeah. Which is, I don't know, everybody was just on that day. So I guess including Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Including, I was about to say, including Wan-Bissaka. Start them all off. He started it all. I do want to note, Bruno Fernandes missed a penalty and scored a penalty. And while he did get an assist, of course, in a 9-0 win, he would be the one to score from a penalty kick. I just found that pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Southampton were not favored in this game. And then, you know, the red card in this, what, m- minute 30 in? just completely Sick. screwed them over. Mm-hmm. Dude, that tackle was actually wild. That, <laughs> that was... was aiming for, like, his thigh. It was crazy. Did, did you see while McTominay was sitting on the floor, he rolled up his shorts, and they were just these red, like, bloody marks from the oh, cleats geez. in his thigh. That's yeah. Tough. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, this actually... Oh. Such a bad tackle in in his de- in his Premier League debut as well. Yeah, that's why I don't like. He's oh my, it just doesn't make sense to me, dude. A minute and thirty seconds on the pitch for the first time, and that's your your first move. I I think he just got excited, you know, the adrenaline running through, and he was just trying to go full steam. Okay, yeah. I think he might be right. Yeah, just excited. Yeah, but. Sorry, you can go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. I'm just looking at some of the stats from the game right now. It's just they're kind of wild. Like Manchester United had 24 shots, Southampton had three, 14 of which were on target. Southampton had one. Possession was 75 to 25, and then passes was like 626 from United and then like 200 from Southampton. Just, I don't know. There's just insane stats. You completely dominated them, man. You don't stand a chance if you have 10 men. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess, I, I'm guessing this will bring us into our next topic. This will bring us right into our next topic. <laughs> Arsenal versus Wolves. Uh, a, another game, same day with two red cards in it. Um, Arsenal go 1-0 up. Beautiful beautiful goal from Pepe working down that left-hand flank, cutting in, curling it. Nutmeg. It was a beautiful, beautiful goal. 
47th minute of added or 45th minute uh, in added time. David Louis red card. Delight. Keep in mind, this was not just the 45th minute. This was the 48th minute with with two minutes of extra time. Don't know how we got there, but we were. <laughs> that was just such a weird like. Just it just looked so weird. Like the foul. Like I couldn't even tell like really where the contact was. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, classic David Luiz. And then they <laughs> played the replays, and I was like, if there was contact, sure, penalty. Definitely not a red. It wasn't intentional. But that's yeah. only if there was contact. Like, we don't, we're don't, we not even sure that there was. You can't tell. This is like a ghost just clipped him or something. Yeah. Turf monster. It was a turf monster. It was a turf monster. But, no, I mean, I. that's the thing. No one complains about VAR a whole lot in the Champions League and in, in the other leagues it's in. it I, I don't think it's a problem with VAR. I, I think it's an issue with the Premier League referees. And I don't want to criticize referees because they have a very, very difficult job and, you know, the guidelines aren't always clear and there's a lot of gray area. But, I mean, that one should have been overturned, right? 100%. Or at least the red card should have been overturned. I won't talk on the penalty decision because... I, I still think it was too close to call. I probably would have given it in the moment just because it did look like there was at least a, like enough contact. Like, to an extent, I could understand, like... It's just so weird. Like, I was looking at it. I couldn't even, like, understand what really happened. But, like, a straight red is... That's just... I don't know. That was just insane. Like, maybe a yellow would have been, like, all right. But, like, a straight red for that was just... Yeah, it just seemed excessive. I, I, I still feel like it was only... If it was any other center back but David Luiz, they would have given it an honest review. They probably wouldn't even have given the the red card to begin with or any card at all because it wasn't intentional at all. But it seems like David Luiz was a was an easy target, man. Actually, I'm not going David soft Luis for this for this one. You know, I have a theory here. Okay, I have a theory here, man. I think it's a pandemic. Sales were down in general. I think the FA went to the referees and said, okay, this weekend, you guys got to spring out with red cards. We got to make headlines. <laughs> you guys generate revenue. Do what you have to. Conspiracy theory, I like it. I think that's what they did. <laughs> Honestly, it's a business. They're running, running a business right here. They got to do what they got to do. There, the, there were four red cards in two games. So, I mean, I'm not going to say you have a point here, but, you know... And only one of those was really like a stonewall red. Yeah, Leno's. And it was the the first. It was the Southampton one. Yeah. Leno's. Yeah. Leno's. Yeah, Leno's is definitely. Yeah, that was definitely a red as well. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know the rules on that, but I'm not mad at that being a red. It didn't really make sense to do that. Yeah, last man he comes out of the box. <laughs> Oh, Owen, oh, as a goalkeeper, what what goes through your mind when you're rushing out of the box? Do you sometimes get a bit confused and caught in between two two thoughts, and you're like, oh, I need to head this, oh, I need to kick this, then you end up hitting it with your hand? Uh, that's never happened to me, um, personally. But I, it's weird. I, I it's just like. What, I, I didn't know the conditions for the game. It looked like it was just like the ball like skipped or something or took a weird bounce and then just went like mid-level because it looked like he was going to come out and just like side volley it away. Uh-huh. And then like, 
It just went over his knee and then hit his hand. I, I don't really know what was going through his mind there, but I think I would have just... Because he had, like, a little bit of time. So he could have, like, hit it with his chest and then, like, right off his chest kicked it away. But... Or at least, like, it was coming in hot. Honestly, he probably could have, like, chested it away because he was close enough to the sideline. Yeah. I don't know. That was just weird. I, I feel like he was just on edge with 10 men, just not thinking straight. Uh, I, yeah. Which is probably exactly what you don't want from your keeper. <laughs> but, hey, man, it happens. It happens. That's all there is to it. It definitely does happen. And um, moving into our next game, that... Uh, of this week, Aston Villa and West Ham, Jesse Lingard brace. How exciting was that to see, uh, Owen? It's pretty exciting coming straight from. Um, I don't know. It was, just, it was good. It's good to see him refreshing. He's getting his playing time again. I think he'll fit in there well. Good little debut for him. Yeah, he he's had a rough time. I mean, even in his personal life. A lot, a lot has been going on with for for him, uh, and it, it's good to see him happy again, playing football again. Because at the end of the day, he probably just wants to play football, and he probably wasn't going to competing with the likes of Pogba, Fernandez, and Van de Beek. So it's good to see him running around the pitch again. Oh yeah, he's like he would have been like third or fourth choice attacking midfielder at United. Yeah, but yeah Jesse Lingard is definitely he's definitely one of those guys that just. He just wants to play. Mm-hmm. It's good, yeah. it's good to see him out there again. Yeah, I know. Did he, he didn't do any dances, did he? In either celebration? Uh, no, he, one, he slid and then fell over yeah. on his back. I don't remember the yeah, other bro, one. That was, a, that was a sick celebration, bro. Dude, everything about you, there's no way you can hate on Jesse, You bro. can't. and I mean, that smile when he's... Fortnite dances. <laughs> he's done Fortnite dances at the Emirates, and I still love him, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that smile when he scored, I mean, it, it brought a smile to my face, too, watching it, because, I, I mean, he's been dropped from the England squad, his his wife or his, girl, his girlfriend, um, they, they had, they, she left, his, his grandmother passed from COVID-19, and he wasn't getting any game time, and it's just so good to see him back in his element. what it is. Josh, how happy were you to see Jesse Lingard back on, on the pitch? Um, be a little bit of a hot take here, but I don't like Jesse Lingard. What? Whoa. Yeah. Hey, hold up, hold up. I'm, I'm going to let Josh land with this one because I, I might understand it. No, I just think he's overrated. I'm glad he's, a, I'm, I'm glad he's doing well at West Ham. Like, but I just didn't like him at Man United. I didn't think he really fit in. No, that's fair. I feel like Je- I feel like Jesse Lingard might be one of those players that you only like if they don't play for your team. <laughs> and in the same way that you guys all love Giroud, bro, I just don't get it. Uh, I see what you're saying. Way too poorly. I've seen him do way too poorly at Arsenal. I can understand that. That's fair. I can understand that, but um, at the time of this, at the time of this recording, uh, Tottenham and Chelsea have yet to play. Let's get some predictions for that match. I'll go first here, because I just want to say this is a game 
of two struggling top six teams, and it's going to be important for Thomas Tuchel to pick up a win. So I'm going to go 2-0 to Chelsea. Owen? Uh, I'm thinking 2-1 Chelsea. Do I? Is Kane fit? Nope. Oh. Son is though, right? Yeah. I don't know if Son's enough to do all that by himself. I don't think so. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go nil-nil. Nil-nil? You don't see Chelsea scoring? Yeah. I think Mourinho will he'll put plenty of players back. Oh. Uh, and Timo, <laughs> Timo Werner. If Timo Werner starts and, you, and Mourinho puts more than three players back, I don't think, I don't think he's scoring. That's the thing. To rely on someone else. Uh, this could be the game where he just absolutely just comes back in. Bro, if Timo Werner comes back like this against a deep block, I'll be so surprised. He's so so bunt against teams that play deep. Yep. Bro. Even yeah, in the Champions right. League. Even in the Champions League. Yeah. Um. Uh, but it would be Spurs. That's what I was going to say. Would, Spurs have Spurs, been very yeah. leaky for a pure defensive team. They've been very, very leaky. And, I mean, with no Kane up top, their whole game plan goes out the window. And they can't play that offense that they like to play. I know that they signed, um, like, Vinicius from Benfica this summer. I I don't think he's... <laughs> he's he was more of, like, a rotation player to make sure that Kane doesn't get injured. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he steps up at all. He's been playing FA Cup games, and he's been scoring in them. But, I mean, they're against, like... That was against, like, League 3 sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He seems all right, though. I'm curious. See how he plays. If I he, think it'll be enough, though. Yeah, if he does start, it'll be a very, very good test for him. But, you, Dillette, I, I, I do want to go back. You, why don't you see Chelsea scoring this game? Thomas Tuchel's been relying on the more experienced players in the Chelsea squad in his first two games. They haven't had a hard test. They've played, isn't it, Wolves and Burnley? So, I mean, like... I have, I have no idea who they played. Have they scored? I know they didn't score in the first game. Uh, they... Yeah, yeah, Alonso and Azpilicueta scored. Oh, yeah. See, I don't think... I'm going to say, I don't think you can rely on fullbacks to score, but I've seen Marcus Alonso... Score way too many times to say that, but no, nah, I don't think I don't think they'll score, dude. Their attack just as good as it is, it's terrible. What I just want to say, whatever coach made Marcus Alonso play left back just took away possibly one of the best strikers we could have ever seen. Did you see that chest down volley? Yeah, bro. <laughs> he I is don't get Marcus Alonso, <laughs> right. <laughs> Chelsea have had so many managers. I don't even know which one it was. The one that played uh, like a three back with like Victor Moses. Oh, it might have been um, Ancelotti. It might have been Sorry. I have no idea. But that season, I think it was the one where they won the league. Marcus Alonso was amazing. He basically played left winger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like he he could have been a very very good like striker. Josh, we, we didn't get to you. What, what, what are your predictions for the Tottenham-Chelsea match? Uh, I would say like a 1-0 Chelsea. 1-0 Chelsea. Yeah, I, I, 
so no, we can all say we just don't see Tottenham scoring. I don't see. I don't see either of them scoring. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that being said, though, I think if someone does score, I think it'll be. I think it'll be Tottenham. Honestly, not Chelsea. Really? Why is that? Because all it, all it takes is one ball over the top to Son, and I don't think anyone on the pitch has that factor where if they get a chance, they're scoring it on the whole pitch, other than him and Son. You know. If Ndombele starts, he could be massive in just, like, dribbling between the Chelsea players and laying one off to Son. So, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. But, speaking of struggling offenses, let's talk about Liverpool losing this weekend to Brighton. Um, is, is, is there, uh, we were saying earlier in the episode, there's no way you can just point one finger at one specific thing that's going wrong. So, let's take a holistic view with this Josh what's going on at Liverpool you're on mute yeah I know sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's tough to say I know they have a little bit of a uh, a leadership issue obviously with like losing Van Dyke and they've had some injury issues but that's been known um I don't know. A lot of these top six teams, they always struggle against. They'll always have one bad game against, like you know, Brighton or Sheffield. You know, it just it just happens. But that's the thing. It hasn't been one bad game. They earlier this January they just didn't score for four hundred minutes. Then they ruined Tottenham and West Ham with beautiful goals, and then they lose to, isn't it, uh, Burnley and Brighton so far. And that's two back-to-back losses for them. So, what are your thoughts on it? I, I don't know what to say, man. I feel like it is just one of those one of those dry spells. It's only weird to, to look at because no one in particular seems to be, like, worse than another player. It seems like the whole team just kind of dips together and then plays well together. Um, now that I say that, it seems like a classic Liverpool thing to do, just with their whole team culture. But yeah, no one seems to be like the, the issue, which is a good thing and a bad thing because you can't really target that issue and fix it. But you also can't. You also can't like. You also just like have to wait for it to come back, and then whenever it comes back, it works again. So is Josh right when he says not having Van Dyke, Gomez, and Matt Tip? kind of contribute to that dip and then that rise. Owen? What was that again? Sorry, cut out. Um, is Josh right in saying that dip and rise is be, is due to that lack of leadership from Van Dyke, Gomez, and Matip at center back? Yeah, I can see that. I, I, really, I really couldn't tell you what exactly is going on there. It's just weird to see them losing to such low teams mm-hmm. i just don't know what's really going on but um yeah i could see it being a part of a leadership thing but they also have like i feel like their whole team is full of leaders like it should be because you've got like Solomon, you got like everybody they're like not necessarily veterans but they're experienced players and they should know how to lead a team you know yeah you don't want a forward leading your team 
I, I, I'm not saying that, but like, they should be able to, like, uh, I'm not saying that they're, la- they're lacking leadership, but I feel like they should be able to perform without that center back leadership role because they're all, like, good, experienced players. They should be able to, like, perform against these smaller teams. Do you think, uh, for, for the City-Liverpool clash this weekend, Liverpool will come out firing on all cylinders, or will they come out a little bit flat? I think, I think they'll come out firing. It's just weird. I don't, like, I really don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I... I definitely see Liverpool having something in the tank for this uh, very, very big game this weekend. And it's going to be important for them to come out very, very positive because City are in excellent form defensively, offensively at the moment. And they're going to be a very, very hard side to stop. So it's going to be interesting what Klopp does to how he sets up his team and how he sends them out and the instructions he gives them, whether it's going to be a little bit more defensive or a bit more positive-minded. Josh, what are your thoughts for this uh, battle of the two heavyweights? I thought I, I agree definitely that uh, you know, Liverpool will have something to prove, you know, especially going through their dry spell they have, and they'll have you know they'll have some energy. But I think with Man City being how they've been playing, I think Man City will come out on top. I think that's just even even without KDV, I think they've just been they've had a lot of players step up and do well. So what? I think you're just uh, I think you're trying to force this for the Jinx Rohan. I think deep down you know the city's gonna win. I don't. And it's not really gonna be much of a competition. No, I I personally. What, what's your prediction for the game? Two two tie. That's a jinx right there. How? You know the game's not going to be that close. I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, you see them against West Ham. You see them against Tottenham. They just played so well with those balls over the top. And I mean, if who has City struggled with this season? Other offense. Than their own striker. I mean, well, in this run of form that they've had, yeah, they've played United twice. One of them was a draw. The other was a non-Premier League game. And they haven't really had a true test. And this Liverpool team will be a true test of their defense, not having Kevin De Bruyne and not having a very good striker unless Aguero starts. And he's still, you know, been... he Aguero's not 100%. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. To have your suspicions of your team... Yeah, and I mean, I I always have to, I always have to back Salah though. I mean, Salah to bag a goal, more often than not. That's I mean, true. that is true. Salah probably will score in that game, to be honest. Yeah. Regardless of how the how the play is going, they can be six zero down. Salah will get one. Mhm. And I I just hope it's not an end to end stretched game. I hope Pep comes out with a structured approach because that'll really show the cracks in Liverpool's defense. And, I mean, why, why, while that Brighton goal, oh, the goal scorer, while he didn't know much about it, kind of just deflected off of him, they have been pretty solid defensively, even without those center backs, as we were saying. But let's get some score predictions. Owen, I've said mine 2-2. Two, two. What's yours? 
2-1 City. Josh? I agree, 2-1 City. Delette? 4-1 Liverpool. 4-1 Liverpool? I'm on board with this, yeah. Look at him trying to jinx it. I'm not jinxing it. You know it's not, you know not going to happen. Knocking on wood. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a very, very interesting game. Um, that's all we have for you guys today on this episode of the Kitman Podcast. Be sure to keep up, keep up with us, and we will have a new episode for you guys Monday. We'll see you in the next one.